It's Summerland Hand. Woo-hoo! Brought to you by Good Games Australia. Today we're talking to a man who has created more land than Holland and in a recent trip to New Zealand showed off more amazing sweaters than that Call On Me music video, Wolf. If his artwork is the sin of man, then we should all be getting naughty more often. But don't drown in sorrow. Come into our temple of mystery and sit down next to Noah Bradley. This is Sevenland Hand. In the pod with me today, and before Noah arrives, I have our own twitching artist, Madison Inventatrix Jones. Madison, welcome back. Thank you. Can I call you Maddie now? Yes, you can. All right, you're not Please in trouble. Do. All right, what? Well, been a while. It has. It has. How do we know? We were talking to you about Star Wars Episode Seven coming out. Was that? Did yeah. we have the big oh, was it collaborative the, one where oh, we had the, pizza and... And got drunk. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. it was like there was we don't, everybody we had. Like, we don't talk about that anymore. That oh. was no, no, no it was that was fine. a long time ago. It right? was a long time ago. Yeah, we're all excited about Star Wars Seven coming out. And remember we sat like hypothesizing, going, "Yeah, what did you think of that?" By the way, oh, we, we, we talked about it a lot on the podcast in terms of not talking about it at all. In the last pod, we actually mentioned how we were so excited about talking about it. We're thinking this is going to be great. We're going to get on the pod. We're going to talk about Star Wars. But then nothing. We didn't talk about anything. No, I know. But you've, I've, I still saw it a few times. Yeah, I saw it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. but you've, you've been up to way more interesting things, though, right? You've been up to Vegas for crying out loud. How did you, how did you end up in Vegas? Um, Intel. Intel. The wonderful people at Intel. The wonderful people at Intel yeah. sent you there. Yeah, they paid for everything. It was the most did, amazing. Was it against your will? Did no, you want no, to go? No, 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 no. <laughs> how can you go to Vegas against your will? I know, I know. Yeah. So how did that? How does that come about? Like Intel are just, you know trolling through the internet they find madison they go we need to send her to, to vegas because yeah. there's no one in america that can do what madison can do right <laughs> no apparently huh? not no they, they found me on twitch um they were searching the creative side to twitch and they found me in a lovely other canadian streamer and then sent us both to america okay to stream. so they wanted like a team of people like international people um, there is that what they're aiming for they were just apparently twitch just put forward some names um from the creative side and they okay. picked us Wow, and out of the three people that are on there, they picked you two. It was eight names. I know. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. Um, so, so they put you on some super sweet, hotted up computer with Intel chips hanging out of it everywhere. And uh, what did you do? Well, the in, the computer we used to stream wasn't. We didn't really know much about it. It was more yeah. we were showing off the Surface Pro, but the, okay. the new Surface Pro that they, they gave me one. Yeah. <laughs> so, free stuff. Free stuff. As well as a trip. Um, as well as a trip. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's cool. Right there, kids. Start drawing cause you, and twitching. And twitching. Because you just go to Vegas. Yeah. Intel, love you. It just it felt so surreal, seriously. I know, so right? Sit, I was sitting there and I'm like, where the hell am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I but know. it was amazing. And I had a wicked time. I was ill for a lot of it, but it was actually really good. <laughs> so the, the convention that you're at was called CES, yes. is that right? Yes. Which is what, what is generally CES about? It generally, it's a, it's a um, technology trade show. Okay, so, hence so all Intel. the massive companies come and show off their new technology. And so there's like new TVs and smart glass and drones everywhere. And it was, all right, so yeah, yeah trying to make looking at a new chip interesting, they get people, creative types, to show how it's being used for yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. So I, all I had to do was sit there, draw, and look pretty. I mean, so the drawing went well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did well, there? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. That's an early one. Sorry, Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, it was an amazing, amazing experience. And um, hopefully they'll ask me back. They said there'll be other... They, so, they, so it could happen again? Yeah, for like oh, Singapore right. or China or something. Cause they have... Well, you're in the hood as far as Singapore and China is concerned, know, right? I don't have to Asia. 30 hours to oh. get where I'm going. Yeah, That's... I'm sure you'd do it though, right? I would. Yeah. No, we've got, uh, we've got Noah coming on today. Yeah. 
this is this is like a this is like one of the best internet relationships I've ever had because <laughs> we kind of bumped into it. I mean, just to give listeners a bit of a background, uh, Madison and Maddie and I did a, a podcast ages ago where to kind of thumb our nose at magic players in a, in a way we busted a booster and. Honestly, we chose the card legitimately as our favorite card based on the art, and it was the land card. So it was kind of fun to say, we don't want any other cards, we'll just have the land card. And it was a Noah Bradley uh, swamp from, well, maybe two or three sets ago. Yeah. And we didn't have any links or anything to him. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he found it and said, oh, thanks for, you know, mentioning it. And we're like, well, that, that's fantastic. We'd yes. love to mention you. And, and uh, we sent him a few questions via Twitter, and he was kind enough to respond and, and talk to us just in text. So, um, yeah, just at the end of last year, I cheekily uh, asked him if he'd like to come on the show. And today he is. How exciting. And he's in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. We could have just, we should have just gone over there and said hello. Well, we could have. We could have. Would have been a day we could have got Intel to send us. Yeah. <laughs> get you get those guys. I want to go to Sydney. Intel, uh, fancy sending me? But no, you've had your time. Move mm. on. All right. Well, let's uh, let's maybe go see what Noah's doing. Hey. Sure. Every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer and a chance to win the game we review. This month, it's Splendor. For all of February, while stocks last, the noble artisans at Good Games all the way around Australia are giving Sevenland Handle listeners 10% off Splendor. All you have to do is stroll into your local Good Games store, brush off your mining clothes, and state the password... Foolish Games. Foolish Games. Even easier, you can win the game. Simply leave a comment on our Facebook page for episode 61. It's now pinned to the top of facebook.com forward slash Sevenland Hand. This is happening every month, so get on it. All right, let's do it, Maddie. Let's talk to Noah. Do it. Hello? Hello, Noah. Hey, you guys hear me all right? Yeah. yeah. Just had a freak out because right. the volume was a bit low, but... <laughs> oh, does, is it working now? Yeah, Sorry, that's... No, it was all our end. It was... Uh, the, oh, okay. The okay. Kid, we're using uh, my wife's iPad, so the kids had messed around with the um, the volume control. Oh, we've nice. gone we've gone yeah. straight from ABC for kids to to Noah Bradley interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your your set in. Ready uh, to go? Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm all good to go here as long as everything sounds all right to you. Yeah, yes. well, it sounds good. You're yeah. doing things right, on the good. MacBook here. Yeah, obviously you're in Sydney at the moment, and which which makes us feel sad that we should have just flown over and, and met you in person or something like that. And yeah, then we, we wouldn't have, have done, all these. We could have done this live. Could have gone yeah. and had a drink somewhere. Yeah, we could have had we could have gone and have a drink somewhere <laughs> and done it. But um, yeah, so is is that part of um, you know where, where's where's home these days? You know, you, you're traveling a lot. Is it does work get you about? Is that what's happening? Uh, home is sort of non-existent, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit homeless right now. Um, partly due to my girlfriend is Australian and I am American. And so that leaves us in this weird limbo land of no visas for either country. Yeah. So, uh, you sort of kind of got to bounce between countries. So that's kind of what we're doing and mixing in a little bit of fun travel here and there. So that's, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. So there's no, there's no particular, you can pretty much work from either base. You're not having to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm entirely mobile right now and have been for, uh, hell a couple of years now, pretty much. So I work off of basically a laptop or something like it at all times. And that's what all my stuff is done on. So I've, I've reduced all my belongings down to about one bag <laughs> and, uh, I've just really, really cut down on everything so that I can kind of maintain this sort of lifestyle. Yeah. How do, you, uh, how do you like Sydney? 
Uh, I love it. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city. Um, I lived in Melbourne uh, last, or not sorry, not last year, the year before, uh, for quite a while. So I get to experience that a lot. So it's nice to get to experience a little bit more of Sydney. Awesome. Yeah, we saw we saw you were, uh, had gone over to New Zealand for a while, and that just looked like. Um like you wearing a, a variety, I, I made a little bit of a joke about it in the intro. It's nothing, nothing bad, but you were wearing a nice variety of sweaters <laughs> and standing in front of Middle Earth. You know, it's like beautiful. Yeah. You must have come back with a fistful of reference material from that place, right? Yeah, that was that was an amazing place. Uh, I think we shot something like I don't know, eight, nine thousand. Actually, probably no, it's actually ten thousand photos while yeah. we were there. Um, so we we shot a lot of photos. Um, but it was, it was just an amazing place. And, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, as an Australian, my girlfriend got instant visa there and it's super easy yeah. for me to get a year long visa. So we, uh, just kind of figured it was close by and beautiful place. So nice place to call home for a little while. Absolutely. I, I wanted to kind of say to you that your sin of man stuff, I love, like it's, I think it's super gorgeous. Um, and I kind Thanks. of wanted to know where, like, where does your inspiration come from? for all of that and like what for me what inspires me most like i'll see a movie or a tv show play a game or hear a song whatever and feel like like i just have to paint yeah, it gives something. You some sort of fuel yeah, for right. to, yeah. yeah you've got and, to re- yeah. reflect that somehow right? yeah um so like is it the same for you do you find the same uh to some degree um it's certainly a big mashup of all the kind of stuff that i'm interested in have ever ever been interested in um so i've always loved movies um always 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 loved movies my dad always made me watch a lot of movies so i always had a love for those uh a lot of fantasy and science fiction you know i always loved playing games and uh you know watching good sci-fi and stuff like that uh so that that goes in there uh, i really love nature uh, i love hiking and getting out and seeing the world and seeing these beautiful places and uh, I'm also really fascinated personally and just in general by religion and spirituality and stuff like that. And so I try to mix some of those kind of themes in there as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of taking all of these various interests and hobbies of mine over the years and kind of squishing them all together and uh, all kind of coming out in the things that I really like painting. And I discovered that I really like painting like cavemen and really primitive kind of <laughs> stuff. And uh, that's that's just what I really like. And uh, I, I struggled for a long time thinking that if I was going to you know, tell a story, it was going to have to be set you know, more in a standard fantasy universe or more in a standard sci-fi universe or something along those lines. Yeah. And then I kind of realized one day that I can actually just paint cavemen and make them fantasy, and I'm allowed to do that. And that was a, that was a great moment for me because uh, it's, it's what I really, really enjoy painting. So it, I, I get to paint exactly what I like to paint. I think you mentioned in one of your videos uh, where you were talking about you were drawing very much from within and what was in front of you, and then you went outside, and yeah. it seemed to change everything. And, yeah, I, I think about that a lot on the way to work, actually. You know, I'm driving, I drive uh-huh. down through the hills, and I get these nice views, and I often think about that quote a lot of just yeah. like, yeah, just go outside. You see how the light falls and everything so much better, yeah. and you're not, just not making it up uh, Oh yeah, it, yes. it changed everything for me. It's a wonderful notion. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a well. I'm, I'd like to think of myself as a writer. So art, including the written word, I think of as filling the gap between raw game mechanics and the characters uh, and the locations in which we play. You know, so there's 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 a whole bunch of maths and the mechanics of a game. But essentially, anyone that plays a game is looking at the pictures and the images and all that sort of stuff. So how do you how right. do you go about getting? Uh, 
you know, a, a game designer's uh, card name or a bit of a narrative and then thinking, right, I'm going to turn that into a, into a picture. Have you got an approach that you take with that stuff? Uh, for the most part, how to turn that into something mostly lands on the art director's shoulders these days. Okay. Um, it used to be in Magic's early days that uh, effectively all of the artists were given is actually just the card name. Um, and that's it. That's rough. <laughs> they, were, they, they were given that told to illustrate it and that's yeah. why in the early days you end up with these illustrations that have absolutely no bearing to what the card actually does yeah. um you know they're, <laughs> they're often illustrating the exact opposite of what the card does uh like for instance i i painted i did I, re, I did a repaint of the moat and um i had never actually looked at the original moat illustration um, and of course the whole idea of the moat illustration is it's this like huge, impassable, impenetrable fortress thing. And the original illustration is a guy happily, you know, prancing along on his little horse across <laughs> yeah. the moat, um, which is the, you know, you know, the exact opposite of what the card does. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it was one of those things where an artist got given this assignment to paint a moat. So they painted a moat. Um, and, uh, nowadays it's obviously hugely different because we're filled in, uh, at least a little bit, the art director is more filled in on what the card mechanics actually are doing. So, uh, they try to make sure that the illustrations are meshing a little bit better, uh, with all of that. I was, so, I, was, yeah. I, I was wondering how that worked because I, you know, on one hand you hear all this, there's all this secrecy about how the magic cards are coming out, but at the same right. time you see four or five different artists and they're all like in the Theros block, for example, they all had sparkly bits within everything. Right. And it's like, someone's yeah. told them all to use sparkly universe yeah. bits to make it all mesh as a, as a theme. Yeah. That's the art director. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we get, um, at, at the beginning of every block, we'll get, uh, a huge, huge PDF. Um, uh, it's probably, it averages about, you know, 250, 300 pages. And it's the entire concept for that block. Wow. And it's just, it's packed full of images and paintings and concept illustrations and drawings uh, and a little bit of writing as well uh, that cover absolutely everything about the set. So when it comes time for us to actually paint something, uh, they're going to be like, you know, look at the character on page 86 for, you know, the yeah. design of the helmet. And it'll look like that. Or there are certain things that they want to be repeated throughout the set and stuff like that. So it's a much more cohesive look to the art than uh, than it used to be. Yeah. I know for many artists, myself included, um, always kind of tend to feel that the work is not good enough. Or, yeah, at least go through phases <laughs> where you feel like it's never going to be good enough. That's the joy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the pain. Um, and I know, I know like... There's lots of artists that I follow that have been in the industry for like, you know, 10, 20 years and it kind of sometimes never goes away. But I was just wondering, right. like, is it something that you still experience? And if, if so, have you got like, have you developed ways or got your own processes for dealing with it? Uh, oh, it, it, it certainly never goes away. Um, you'll always kind of hate your stuff and everything you do <laughs> always um and to, to make it even worse for the magic stuff uh everything i paint uh, i have to wait a year before i show it off and, and uh as any creative ever knows yeah you're really gonna hate your stuff after a year yeah. um so anytime anytime you see a card get spoiled that artist painted it a year ago and now knows everything that they hate about the piece uh, <laughs> so whenever we get to show off our stuff that's what's going through our head 
just how many problems we have about it, how many things we wish we had changed and done differently and stuff like that. But that's, but that's, yes, isn't that, it, but that's yes, what makes... I always have that. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing that sort of makes you better, though, isn't it? I think I think if we ever you know like, uh, wrote something or drew something or a piece of art came out, and you're totally happy with it, what where's the motivation to do the next one? Oh yeah, it's yeah. true. It's very true. Yeah. It's very true. But um, so there, there's always a certain sense of dissatisfaction. I, I personally think it's also important to have uh, you know a fair bit of pride in your own work. Um, I'm not one of like those self-loathing artists that are out there that really hate everything they do. Uh, you know, I can actually look at some of my paintings and be like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good painting. Um, so I, 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 I strongly believe in that. Um, but as far as how I cope with it, uh, I guess it's just by realizing that it's kind of the way it is for everybody. Uh, there's no artist that ever gets to a certain point that that goes away and you know you'll never have to worry about it and all that kind of stuff it's it's always around it's always kind of taunting you it's always going to bother you uh and uh i think when you come to accept that uh, it gets to be a lot easier okay Hmm. um yeah i was was looking at some of the artwork and and thinking it in terms of you know you hear actors talking about just a, a tilt of a jaw or a tightened forehead here conveys a different message and I was thinking how tough that is when you reflect it back to like one snapshot on a card and mm. trying to convey the right thing in body language, which is such a massive thing we use every day. Do you, are, yeah. you, are you a people watcher? Do you go grab a coffee and just sit there watching people? And, you know, how do you grab that? You know, it's, it seems yeah, so tough. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, certainly a challenge. I, I thankfully am not much of a figurative artist, so I don't have to do that as much as some of my uh, friends do. But uh, it is certainly something as an artist that you just kind of learn to you learn to really look at things uh, and you look at things on a little bit more of an analytical sense than, uh, you know, the average lay person would. Um, So you are paying attention to weird idiosyncrasies and weird details and odd mannerisms that people have um, to try to get a better sense of that when you when you come to actually paint things. Yeah, because the person looking at it doesn't have to understand any of that. They just have to get the feel or the the message, don't they? Yeah. I mean, honestly, most people that look at a painting will be like, oh, cool, nice. (laughs) Exactly, right? Nice, (laughs) cool. That's that's it. And, you know, as artists, we sort of all talk to one another, and it's this really insular bunch, and we're all hypercritical of everything and, like, notice every little problem with every piece. But I think it's also important to realize that the people outside that weird little circle just start looking at a cool picture, and they're like, oh, sweet, it's a cool picture. And they they don't care in the slightest about all these little nitpicky things. Uh, None of that really matters to them in the end. Yeah, that's, that reminds me of, like, my, my dad's a, a plumber and a handyman of everything. Uh, well, you know, the, like a, a baby boomer handyman of everything. Mm. And we've done a million and one jobs around the house and all that sort of stuff. And there's always that fault in the job somewhere. And he says, you know, you'll know about that, but no one will ever see it. So, you know, <laughs> every time you oh, look yeah. at that wall, there's a half-inch gap in it as far as you're concerned. But everyone else thinks hey, it's a great wall. Yeah, Exactly. Um, it's very true. So I know that obviously you do a lot of beautiful landscape stuff and the figurative stuff, not so much. So what I was wondering was, because um, I always find myself painting stuff that I'm comfortable with and it's kind uh-huh. of, you don't realize that you're doing it. So I was just wondering, do you have like any tips for kind of pushing yourself outside your comfort zone more regularly? Is there something that you do to try and, or is it you're kind of too busy um, for that? I certainly, I certainly do it on a gradual basis, uh, more so with my personal work. I try to make sure I push myself. Um, my thing early on was that 
uh, the, part of the way I developed a portfolio was I would think of something and I would realize, hey, I don't have one of those in my portfolio or I've never painted one of those before. So it's like, uh, for instance, hey, I've never painted a snow scene before. Let me paint a snow scene. Uh, you know, hey, I've never painted an island before. Here, I'll paint an island. Uh, and so kind of coming up with these things of, you know, what have I not done before and pushing it on that. Um, at the point I'm at now, I tend to do a little bit more of that on my on my personal work, uh, trying to push my figurative work and all that sort of stuff. And uh, also just exploring, you know, a little bit more nitpicky things than I used to, uh, you know, exploring more subtle color palettes, more subtle value ranges, uh, the kind of stuff that non-artists would never care about. But for me as an artist growing, uh, it's really important to me yeah. and uh, it's really satisfying to me. So. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I guess that's what I do. Do, do you need to change your, your work uh, for a project um, depending on the intended audience as well? Or can you are, you are you able just to be Noah Bradley being Noah Bradley these days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for the most part, I, I get to be Noah Bradley, yeah. uh, which, which is really nice. Helps um, out when you hang out with friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I get, to, I get to be me. I get to make my own kind of work. Um, you know, for magic, you do, you do have to conform maybe a little bit more than with other, uh, with other jobs, uh, just because you are working in the same world as, you know, whatever it is these days, a hundred, 200 other artists. Mm. And so you do have to make sure it's still cohesive to that, to that world, whatever that happens to be. Uh, you know, when you're painting Theros, you have to make it look like Theros. Uh, and for the most part, I still get to paint how I would paint. Uh, but there are some like small things that you you do have to pay a little bit of attention to. What well, example uh, of that? The, oh, sorry, I was just thinking no. that an example of that is that like that uh, the forest from Battle for Zendikar, the you you know the one that you auctioned off. Uh, it, uh -huh. it was beautiful. This beautiful old painting, but then you you went back in and digitally like sparkled right. it up a little bit, right? And, it's, and, it, right. And, it, and it seemed like the original was fine. Walk away. No one go near it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, ex exactly. And, and I really, actually, I love the original oil painting of that. Uh, yeah. In person, it's, it's, it's really nice painting. I'm, I'm super proud of it. But it doesn't really mesh with everything else. Uh, it doesn't mesh with my own work. And I was also looking, because uh, some of my friends, of course, did some of the other basics for that set. And I was looking at the stuff they were doing and it just wasn't meshing with the rest of the stuff out there. It just it looked a little bit too kind of old school magic and a little bit too okay. uh, too uh, stylized and stuff like that. And so I needed to bring it back to what my work tends to look like these days, what my digital work tends to look like. Uh, so a little bit more detailed, a little bit more crisp and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's definitely a case of that. Um. Speaking of that, do you still make an effort to draw and paint with actual pens and paper? Because I'm trying to make more time for it because I, I just love doing it anyway. But yeah. so much of it is digital now. Like, do you still think it's kind of important to make sure you still stay a uh, little bit traditional? Yeah, I, I think it is very important. I will say I, I am pretty bad about maintaining that habit. Uh, I, I'm not great at it. Uh, I often will kind of slack off and just kind of do digital painting for the most part. Um, but uh, I do. I, I always do my thumbnails traditionally. Uh, I find it it's an easier way for me to think about paintings. Uh, and for me, probably one of the most important parts of the painting process is that beginning of what am I going to paint and how am I going to paint it. Uh, that's that's the really tricky and also the really fun part of things. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I still do that traditionally because it gives me a kind of freedom to 
to mess up and make bad bad marks and bad drawings and stuff like that uh, that I that I tend to lose when I start to work digitally. So uh, yeah, I'll still do that traditionally. Um, I'd really like to be better about you know working traditionally, working uh, both in drawing and paintings and stuff like that. But with the amount of travel I've done for the past couple of years, it's made it really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, it's a mm. real hassle to travel with traditional materials and stuff like that uh, to keep them all in good condition and uh, get them through airport security. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Airport security will like hyper analyze every tube of paint you bring along. Yeah. You're allowed to bring them, but <laughs> they will hyper analyze, and you'll have to get extra screening all the time. And so it's just it's really annoying. Yeah. Um, so, but it's even, one of those things I'd like to do. Carrying electronic gear though from place to place, that you must you can't trust that to uh, what do they call it? You have to have it all on carry on, wouldn't you? You'd have to have all of your really pricey For the most gear. part, I always travel with carry on only. Yeah. So, uh, thankfully, um, even then though, you still will get extra security. Uh, I made the mistake <laughs> of carrying one of the, uh, one of the blue Yeti, uh, microphones, the gigantic ones and, uh, in my carry on backpack. And, uh, I, I swear they thought it was a bomb when it went through the security, <laughs> right. uh, they, they were like, what on earth is that thing? Uh, just in the middle of my backpack. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned before about your, your figurative painting and things like that. And you, you have, like on your video, said that, um, that you often use yourself as reference material. Um, uh-huh. And I was, I was, you know, does, it, does this feel like you have to get down to the gym a lot more now and work out to stay in shape? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it certainly is pressure. Um, <laughs> You know, there are, certainly are paintings where I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, I'd really like to do this painting, but I, I'm just imagining the figures being a little bit better shape than I am. Uh, <laughs> Does this so, mean that we're going to have so, some yeah. Frank Frazetta stuff coming from you in the near future? Or is, yeah, or, exactly. Or we've got a Marlon to, Brando style era coming up. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get to work on that. Uh, do people send you reference material that you don't want? Uh, thankfully, no. <laughs> very, very thankfully. Uh, yeah. I, I, if I need the reference, I'll, I'll ask for it. So please don't. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> that idea came Thanks. to me. We had, uh, we're, we're in the hills outside of Perth and there was a bushfire yeah. and a storm and an amazing sunset all happening at once. My wife uh, took a photo of it. And my first yeah. thought was, I should send this to Noah. And then my second thought was, that's exactly what I shouldn't do. He probably gets a million of these, right? <laughs> to, to be fair, if people send me like a cool landscape, uh, I'll actually usually kind of appreciate it. And oftentimes <laughs> we'll save it into my reference folder. So if it's a landscape, I'll totally, I'll totally take it. If it's like really, really cool clouds, then yeah, yeah. especially cool clouds. That's the kind I of uh, praise I look for all the time though, is like, I, kind of usually get like to be appreciated sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. If, if my wife says if that to me, I'm, I'm wrapped, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's the best thing you heard all day. Yeah. So who are some of the other artists that inspire you? Because, like, I, I know for me I have, like, a whole list of people, obviously, um, where I just kind of see their work and it's just, again, that fuel, like, I just need to go put pen to paper sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I was just wondering, do you have any of those types of people? Because obviously, not to like kiss your ass or anything, but you're one of those for me. Like, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> just, that yeah. was definitely an ass kiss. It wasn't. It, it was, was just truth. All right, okay? sorry. It was true. Well, it can be both. Well, <laughs> she's blushing now, Noah. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, but but to refer to your actual question, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of artists that would be like that for me um for most of my inspiration as far as how i actually want 
to paint and the things I want to get across. I, I tend to look at dead guys. Um, I tend to look a little bit further back in art history and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, artists like George Ennis, just the emotional power of his later work, um, his early work is awful, but his later work is just amazing, incredible, beautiful stuff. And in person has such a presence to it. Yeah. Uh, so when I when I look at the originals for that sort of stuff, it, it is just incredible to me. Um, and those are the artists that really, really inspire me in how and uh, how much I can grow and how much I can improve and just how much depth there can be in art. Um, hmm. So I, those are the sort of artists that I would look to. Um, and for how to how to actually paint, uh, Thomas Moran is a personal favorite of mine. Um, and uh, Bierstadt is you know, just for his epic scale and lighting is just mind blowing. And I will always sit down in front of one of his paintings in any gallery I go to, uh, just because they're so incredible to look at in person. Um, but at the, on the other side of things, uh, as far as, you know, the living people go, um, they do definitely push me to work harder and definitely try to improve myself. Uh, it is, it is just shocking to me how many incredible artists are out there and how many incredible artists I've often never heard of before. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the kind of art website these days that a lot of people are using is artstation.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, occasionally I'll hop on there and start browsing through some stuff and I'll see just an incredible painting and I'll, you know, look at the artist and I'll have no idea who they are and just never heard of them before in my life. And they're producing just amazing, amazing work. Um, so that's, that's a huge push for me. Uh, as well as just how you know incredible some of the work is that people are doing that I that I do know about, um, like I know all the magic artists. When uh, Carla Ortiz did her first magic card, uh, we all just kind of stood back in shock because it's it's just a beautiful beautiful painting, and uh, was just a whole like leap above what most people were doing on magic, yeah. and uh, it was a real kind of kick in the ass for all of us to really improve our work yeah. so do you feel is there so is there a community of of, of other painters with it you know like we because when you know when we're playing if we're playing magic you know you've got carl kopinski there and raymond swan cards and your cards and like you uh, mentioned carlo ortiz but is, is that a, is there a community that you uh share or is it just one of those art continues to be a solitary process uh no there's definitely a there's definitely a community involved um a lot of the magic artists do know one another um, I'm on at least, you know, friendly basis with a whole lot of them, yeah. uh, and have had a, at least casual interactions with, uh, probably most of the current ones these days. Um, so yeah, we all sort of, you know, are at least wa- aware of one another, if not friends with one another. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got some magic artists that are, you know, pretty close friends to me. So yeah. it's a, it's a tiny little community and, uh, I guess that sort of brings us all together a bit. Yeah. You mentioned uh, something I always think about when you mention uh, dead guys versus <laughs> live guys. But right. you know, looking back at like the, the people like Leonardo da Vinci kind of era, and there's uh-huh. amazing paintings. And then yeah. in the 80s or early 90s, you look at printed art in like early, say, Dungeons and Dragons books and stuff like that. Right. Gamers will be familiar, and it's just garbage. It looks like stuff <laughs> that I did in high school on the back of a right. file. And then all of a sudden there's this rebirth and everyone's amazing again. And I think 
a lot of people point at digital art being you know easy and blame it on that sort of stuff and that's why it happened right. but it, that can't be the answer is do, do you have any feeling on that what 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 happened is it a um, printing thing or well i mean part of it is just that you know that time during the 80s and 90s uh you know, it was just cheap jobs, and it was whoever was around who could <laughs> kind of sort of paint. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they weren't paying that great, or they, you know, it was a job that uh, I'm pretty sure some of the, even the early magic stuff was pay on publication. And so, you know, some people right. didn't even think they were going to get paid because they were like, nah, this thing's never going to get even made. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of the jobs back then were like that, and they were all these, you know, tiny little companies and stuff. And so it was just, it was whoever was around that could draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you wanted to do the respected stuff, you were doing, you know, editorial illustration back in those days. And uh, you weren't doing, you know, trashy, you know, pulp covers and fantasy stuff. Yeah. Uh, you were, you know, doing the high end New Yorker and, you know, New York Times and whatever, uh, whatever the other big magazines of the day were. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where all the really, really amazing illustrators were. Because, you know, they were around. They, they were phenomenal time for illustrators, uh, just not in fantasy necessarily. Uh, you know, there's, of course, a few exceptions in there that are <laughs> really fantastic artists during that time. But, um, yeah, there's, there, there was certainly a kind of low point in the technical skill sometimes. Mm. It's funny that it sort of jigsaws into writing in a different way because there's definitely a period in, uh, I'll probably get my decades wrong, but say 50s, 60s, 70s where... Uh, a lot of pulp, a lot of really good writers, like people like Raymond, uh, sorry, uh, Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov, uh-huh. were getting stuff out in pulp magazines, and it was a great way to just get stories out there. And people were like, "This is great," but when you look yeah. at those, they do have that kind of that art on there, which isn't as great as what we're seeing now, and isn't as great as what we saw be- seen before. So, right, it's it's strange because now I, w- I would love to have a uh, you know a place where you could send in stories like that and they get regularly published. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. There, there is a lot of good, good to say about that sort of community that was around back then was just all this work getting published in you know, actual magazines and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's how a lot of artists and writers got their kind of kind of got their start back then. Um, I, uh, I took part in art camp, um, uh-huh. Titus's art camp. And oh, nice. I loved it. Just saying, like, I thought it was absolutely, it was amazing experience. And so thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just wondering, because um, I definitely want to take part in it again, um, and I'm very keen to do Art Camp 1, but I was just wondering as well, have you got any plans for new art camps with new artists? Uh, yes, sort of. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, not necessarily new artists, at least for this year. Uh, I don't have anyone booked yet. Um, there are a couple of people I might talk to. Um, Titus will hopefully be rerunning his course uh, if he if he does it. Uh, I'll try to threaten him a little bit and make sure he does. <laughs> um, and, and also, uh, this year I am actually going to be running uh, a new art camp myself, um, which, I'm, which I'm pretty darn excited about. Uh, I had sort of stepped back last year and didn't really do much of anything because I needed, I needed that break mm-hmm. uh, from teaching mm-hmm. so much. And uh, it was really good for me, but I actually have, I feel like I've got uh, a really good course outline that I'm really excited to teach. So I'll be, I'll be teaching a brand new course this, this coming summer. Awesome. Um, so full, full announcement of that will probably be in a couple months, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. 
I think that teaching role is really good. No, I, I mean, I sent a tweet to you like a while, you know, just in the general stream of tweets that was kind of awkward because it was, you know, limited uh, words, obviously. But that, um, like that sort of, I, I was looking for the right word in like modesty or humility in showing your early work and showing how um, perseverance really gets you there. And I don't think modesty and humility are there. Like you touched on earlier that you still have a pride in your work now. So it's not, nothing's been understated, but that message, you know, which is just like, you know, stick at it, you know, you, you'll be fine. You just yeah. got to keep doing what you want to do and you'll get there. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. So it's really, you know, I mean, it's yeah. really, um, especially for a great like, thing. You're putting yourself out there like that. Yeah. yeah. Especially for someone like me, who's still trying to get started and established to kind of read yeah. where that, um, the blog post you put up, um, about how you became an artist that was because yeah. I know you got a huge like hugely positive response for that um, yeah that was like really encouraging to read you know so like oh good yeah that's it's, good it's, it's good yeah it does hit it lands it it's does. really yeah, good it really does yeah but, that's that's why I, that's why I put that thing together just to give an idea of how how I got where I am today and uh, it seemed to serve as quite the encouragement for a lot of artists which is which is really nice to hear mm. um, because I mean it is it is tough sometimes for a lot of people to become an artist and you know I had it relatively easy um, I really did you know I had parents that were super supportive uh, who let me hang out around the house uh, who actually encouraged me to become an artist uh, so I had all these I had all these things going for me and, you know, I picked up art relatively quickly. Uh, you know, I didn't become you know the greatest artist that ever lived. Uh, but, you know, I became a professional level artist in a relatively short amount of time. But even then, even despite all these advantages, it was still, it was still a pretty tricky thing for me to do. Mm. And so I wanted to kind of get it out there to show that it's, it's very doable, uh, even though it's, it's an often a uh, very difficult task. And uh, so for the people that do have a lot of challenges and uh, difficulties in studying art, uh, that do have a lot of things working against them, maybe they have parents that are telling them, oh, you're, you're an idiot, this is, this is always going to you know, yeah. be a terrible decision for you, uh, you're screwing up your life, that uh, maybe they would have a little bit of extra encouragement that even despite those difficulties, eventually they can definitely do exactly what they want yeah. to do. And I think, I think there's a message there as well for uh, people that, you know, might not necessarily want to be a commercial artist, just want to enjoy yeah. it as become, you know, get, gaining skills and having a craft, uh, the, just something yeah. that they do. Because, you know, I, I get inspired by, you know, like you, you put out a GIF, GIF the other day just of just blocking out, uh, you know, a scene from a cave. And, mm. and and that it just that itself it goes yeah I, I could see myself doing that I could you know see you know this bit's the foreground and changing colors and playing with it and it, that in itself is fun and and it make you make it really accessible I think there's that that message comes through mm. yeah um, yeah so just you know greedy fanboy and girl stuff you know on, on future focus <laughs> stuff what's happening with publications you know like a, a sin of man in print or you know like a nice hardback cover even if you kickstart it or a collection yeah. thing yeah any plans it, for that kind of stuff it will de it will definitely happen um i i uh, about a year maybe two years ago um i i definitely did sit down and very strongly consider launching a kickstarter and doing that whole thing and uh i ended up deciding that i'd rather take a little bit more time with the project yeah. rather than trying to churn out uh, a finished book to put out there very quickly 
Uh, I wanted more time to let it breathe, more time to explore the world, more time to write, uh, and more time to just do a lot of really paint, really good paintings that I'm really proud of. And so for that reason, I sort of delayed it a little bit and extended it out. And, uh, and I'm okay with that, partly because yeah. I'm still super young and yeah. I don't need to do a gigantic project that, you know, very well might stick around in my career for a very long time uh, that, you know, that I'm doing half-heartedly or too quickly or anything like that. So I don't, I don't need to do that. And uh, I, also, I also just really like painting what I'm painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really happy painting these stuff. Uh, just doing each of these paintings. I mean, the last painting I, that I finally finished that took way too long, uh, you know, I put that thing out there and I, and I loved it. I loved every minute of painting that thing. Mm. And it was a, it was a fantastic experience. And that's, that's really what I'm doing this project for is just that I really, really like doing this stuff. I, I really love painting what I'm painting. And if I keep painting this stuff for the next five, 10 years, I'm still going to really love painting it because it's it's everything that I really love to paint. And so uh, yeah. with all that said, uh, I am definitely, absolutely, 100% planning to put out a very, very nice book. Um, but there are a couple other things that I'd like to do as well um, that will hopefully be happening sometime. <laughs> so is that is that like a, the Cinnamon stuff or is that like an, another yes. project with that? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Be, I'll be sticking around in that world for a while. I was trying to explain to someone at work, I was showing them the Teach Me the Angel song picture on my uh-huh. phone, and I was saying, yeah, you really have to get this on like your 1080 by whatever big screen and yeah. just see how massive this painting is, because it's just not doing it justice. And I think in print, it would just be jaw-dropping, Gorgeous, you know? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing about my paintings, is that in my head, they're always huge. They're always, <laughs> you know, printed like, you know three meters wide kind of thing mm. uh they're these gigantic huge things or they're you know they're seen on a movie screen kind of thing uh that's that's what i have in my head uh they're not designed to be seen on super tiny little screens uh even though i know everyone has to see them on that size uh, so oh, it yeah. certainly comes across i was talking to maddie earlier about how uh you do massive really well you know there's so many I mean, even not in terms of, you know, just like having someone small up the front and something massive in the distance. It can also be, right. uh, or the scene, you know, the scope scope of it. It can be things like the Drown in Sorrow card, you know, where that's massive in terms of that guy's having a really bad day. <laughs> it's yeah. just like there's a lot of emotion in there. Yeah. I think, I think every, you know, a lot of the, the magic players that I talked to, you know, when that card came out, they were looking at the card just like, you know, they were, they were, they were hit by the, the art first and foremost, which yeah. is really hard to get across when some of magic players, you know, this like, what does this card do? And, but on that, yeah. in that case, it was like, wow, look at that, look at that picture, man. Yeah. It's just awesome. Yeah. I first started playing magic. I'm not a big magic player, but I, I started in uh, M13 corset, and that was about the time when you started as well, mm-hmm. wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Uh, that, was, yeah. that was my first printed card. Is that is that how people usually recognize you, or do you get recognized? Uh, as far as what? As far as the stuff from M13 or what? Oh, no, yeah, not from M13. I was thinking, about, like, yeah, I probably worded that badly. Is is magic the way people oh. most often relate to you? Uh, yes, probably. Um, it, it's certainly the most number of people will note me for my magic work, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's you, just there's just such a huge fan base involved in magic that it's uh, pretty big, it's bound right? To happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and because we're predominantly a gaming podcast, uh, do do you game? Do you play anything? Is there a, are the games out there that you do play? Don't be don't be shy about you know if it's 
some didn't have time to play Jenga. Do, like. <laughs> yes, 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 I do. yes, I do play games. I grew up playing a lot of games yeah. and uh, always have. And uh, I don't play as many games these days as I'd like to. Uh, just with you know my current schedule and stuff, I don't make enough time for gaming. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, if I'm playing a game, I'll feel guilty that I'm not painting. So uh, I, I don't actually game that much these days. But uh, to you know at least have a little bit of nerd cred, uh, <laughs> I played a lot of CCGs growing up. Uh, most notably, yeah. and for the longest, I played Star Wars CCG which for you yeah. know card gaming people is like ooh cool yeah uh, because that they're the only people who remember that game <laughs> will acknowledge that it was a great game uh so there was that um i i played board games forever love board games um they're awesome fantastic the more complicated the better um and uh, obviously video games played them since i was uh, super 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 tiny yeah. And so I'll, I'll still occasionally play games, but for the most part these days, all I'll have time to is maybe sitting on the bed. I'll play a few rounds of Hearthstone or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's that's about all the gaming I can get into in, on an average day. Yeah. I think you've made a couple of people uh, that come on this podcast very happy by mentioning Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, last time we texted in conversation back and forth, and this time it's by Skype. So hopefully next time we can sit down and, uh, and do it in person. That would be super cool. Wouldn't it? That'd be yeah, awesome. it would yeah. be fun. It's been a real pleasure, Noah. Yeah, that was- yeah my Thank pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, thanks for having me. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye. Needs and twoos. Needs and twoos. That's Good, Maddie. Get on board. I this wasn't good with that. Needs and I twoos. No, there was no pressure. <laughs> I said it wasn't compulsory. Uh, this is our needs and twoos segment. You figure it out. It's a spoonerism. Um, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah, please comment on any of our Facebook pay- posts at facebook.com forward slash seven land hand. That's the number seven land hand. Get involved in the discussion. We love everyone's opinions that comes through. Um, they make our show better because we get to reflect on them in the show and talk about them. Usually we're doing a board game reviews or we talk a bit about magic, stuff like that. And if we read your comment, we'll send you a classic Hyper Magic Nerd Badge. You got one of those, haven't you, Maddie? Do, yeah. I'm not going to ask you what you wear. It sits wear. on my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> there it does. Yeah, of course it does. Uh, or you could put it on your game aware or, or whatever you like. Um, but Maddie, you're a, a, a busy, busy person and you've in, got your thumb in many pies. I if do. that's still something people say. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, uh, your Twitch and live streaming, you're doing that yeah. quite yeah. a bit in the moment, right? Yeah. At the moment, it's only twice a week yeah. because internet is crappy and we have to be respectful of everybody else that uses the internet at home. <laughs> right. um, yeah. Let's get into your domestic problems with yeah, the family and internet use. Um, no, they're very supportive actually. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, I'm doing it Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesdays and Fridays. How, yeah. how do people find you on, on there? I have a Twitter. Yeah. Um, Invenatrix. I-N-V-E-N-A-T-R-I-X. Yep. I was, In, <laughs> I got that wrong. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, so we'll, put, I, we'll put a link on the show notes on cool. the Facebook post. Yeah. yeah. Um, so usually I, when I'm going live, I shout out on my Twitter and my Facebook that I'm doing so and... And you can get them later on, can't you? Because I, I see those posts, but yeah, it's like, I'm going on in five minutes, but then it was posted 10 hours ago, and yeah. I think, well, that's gone, but yeah. no? You, well, no, it lasts for about 10 days, I think. Yeah. The, the VODs last for about 10 days. But some, oh. I like to play music while I'm streaming and chatting to people, and sometimes because it's... The music oh, copyright. Sometimes the mute parts of the VOD, so that can be a, a little bit annoying. So but. you're getting censored already, Maddie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's good. High yeah. five. That's yeah. hard. Hardcore. <laughs> uh, nice one. Yeah. 
And you're also available to do commissions for people as well? Um, yes, I have been. But that's what I've been doing for like the last yeah. good while. Um, so what sort of stuff are you doing for people? Um, a lot of it's been for actual other Twitch streamers, live yeah. streamers. Um, so I've done shirts. So they've videos. seen what you've done. on. They've watched you do stuff on Twitch and then said, hey, I, I could use that on a T-shirt for my It was actually kind whatever. of reversed. It was, I did all that work for them first. And then a lot of the streamers I'd done work for said, you should really start streaming this. Oh, okay. So it was them that kind of got yeah. me into that and... So. But you said you're doing it internationally. Loads of you've done. Yeah, I've so, done it. A so lot anyone of the from guys, can reach you. the yeah. regular guys I do it for are in America. So. And how do they get in touch then? Again, with the Twitter and the Facebook, or they can. I've got a business email. Like and what's your name. Facebook? Uh, it's the Art of Madison Jones. The Art of Madison Jones. Yes, double D. Yes. M A Double D I S O N Jones. Yes. Art of. Yes. Very good. <laughs> yeah. And locally, Magic Card Frame Extensions um, still knocking them out. I am doing my very last You look bit. puzzled. I'm asking you. And no, you're going no, because like, I've had to think life. about it. It's, it's, it's in my head I, somewhere. I yeah. No, I'm doing my very last set. You, you should know that you posted three just this mm. week. No, because <laughs> I've had a set to do for something yeah. for ages. And I feel really bad because I'm moving now to Sweden ah. in like seven weeks. Um, and so that my so time exciting. has... Very exciting. But I, mean, I this massive set of cards I was doing for this lovely human being. And I'm not going to get to finish them all. So I'm trying to finish the, the current can, well, ones. They can still be done and sent back, can't they? But that's like posting as well. Like package yeah. posting is going to be too much. I said this, that I'd happily do them for him when I come back and I'm here for a couple of weeks. I'll do more. But This is Madison Jones generating business for herself. I am. I'm so <laughs> good at it. <laughs> yeah, I could maybe oh. do some of that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Anyway. all over the place. That's how to get in touch with Maddie. And if you want to get in touch with anybody else from Seven Land Hand, uh, you can just email us at podcast at sevenlandhand.com or our names usually work like david at sevenlandhand.com or matt at sevenlandhand.com. Maddie doesn't have one. You can get in touch with her on Twitty. Twitter. Twitty. On Twitty. What I just, I just invented. <laughs> I'm panicking about Reddit. This, I've, got to do, I've got to learn uh, Reddit. I haven't out. done that. Yeah, I'll be fine. Aaron will help you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Heads <laughs> up, Aaron. <laughs> Mage Aaron Graham. Shout, shout out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was that was a good show. It was, it was good. No, I enjoyed it. I had fun. That was brilliant. Yeah. All right, I hope you guys really enjoyed that too. Um, yeah, if you know anybody else out there that's uh, designing a game, maybe kickstarting anything, or you know, or any other uh, magic artist or game artist or anything like that, yeah, we'd love to get in touch. And tell we'll them be, I want a job. Tell Maddie <laughs> wants a job, and we'll we'll see who else we can um, grab a chat with in the next uh, this year. All right, Exciting. let's do a sign off. <laughs> All right, that was, well, probably episode 62. That was the Noah Bradley episode. Boom. It was fun. Yeah, thanks very much, Noah Bradley, for you, coming Noah. on on the show. That was super cool. really enjoyed it. He's lovely to talk to. He's a very lovely man, yeah. I, I hope we get to catch up with him in, in real life and have a chat soon, too. That'd be cool. Uh, and Madison, equally lovely in real life. Oh. Thanks for coming in. Thank you finding for having the, me. Finding the house, yes. the, the pod in the middle of nowhere. I was... Terrified. Most, yeah, I was yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I get lost out here. But it's okay once you're inside, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's lovely inside the body. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for you both for joining us. And thanks to our sponsors, Good Games, for furnish, furnishing us with free games every month. So don't forget you can go uh, win yourself a copy of Splendor. Uh, stay tuned, get involved, make comments, suggest who you can talk to. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah, just enjoy yourself. If we've learned that today, we've learned enjoy yourself. That's how I get through life. <laughs> That's just how I get through life. Okay. All right, everyone. Good night. Good night.